This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. The geeks were right. All right, welcome back. It is time for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. Jeremy Thompson, I'm Jay White. We thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or things that are problems that are bugging your tech world or kind of uh, throwing a hitch in your giddy-up, so to speak. And uh, only the people over 50 know what I'm talking about there. I left everybody behind on that train. But if you have that tech hitch in your giddy-up, call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464 again. That's 1877 MPB ring. Jeremy, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning, Jay. I'm doing well, man. How's uh, uh just uh, I was going to say how, been, are, how are things uh, going? Yeah, well, I've I've been uh working on uh building uh, a new kind of computer uh this morning. I've been just researching cases and all kinds of stuff. I'm working on what's called an open loop cooling system, so it's going to be completely like liquid. Uh, but it's going to have lots of tubes and stuff that I've got to play with, and you know, just it's it's all new territory for me. But I'm really excited about it. I've wanted to do one of these for a while, yeah. And uh, now is the time. So uh, once I get it built, which I don't know how long that part's going to take, uh, but uh, yeah, I plan on putting it on display in the front of my shop. I want it to kind of be the eye-catching thing. Absolutely. What's, re- what's really cool about it is I think a lot of people will come in and go, "That's a computer." Because it looks like something that belongs in a laboratory with all the tubes and the reservoir and all that. It. It's, it's really neat. I'm really excited about it. So what does that do? I know I've seen, and when I when I shopped for a computer here about three or four months ago, and again, I, I see, it seems like I say this every week, but you can spend as much money as you have or want to spend on stuff like this. But yeah, uh, some of those systems, I, I, mean, I guess it's the, the heat generated that it's a better cooling system if you have actual liquids being run around and through those things how does that work well for hobbyists uh you know we try to get more performance out of our rigs than the average joe so we buy processors that are capable of being overclocked uh, upwards of 33 percent or more of what they were designed to do well when you overclock a processor like that uh you create lots of heat in your system so the liquid cooling system is going to be able to move water over uh, your CPU fast enough to displace the heat to keep uh, your temperatures uh, in a safe area for a CPU that's overclocked. Okay, now you've mentioned overclocking now, and I'm glad you brought that up. That's something you see more and more these days, and you see that more and more devices are kind of open to overclocking, but what technically is overclocking? To me, it sounds like, and the, the way I've always read about it, and it's been explained, is it's like um, kind of like a tune-up for your engine, or like tuning your engine up, its performance up. But I'm always worried that I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna set the thing at you know a constant 9,500 RPM, and the pistons are gonna shoot through, yeah. the, through the hood, and I'm gonna have a blown-out engine there. But uh, tell me a little bit about overclocking. 
Okay, so when you overclock a computer, you actually go into uh, the system called the BIOS that ties all of your hardware together, and you start changing uh, different numbers like your CPU multiplier. So it's possible to, uh, if you have a motherboard and a, a processor that support it, to go in there, or uh, there's other components that can be overclocked as well. Um, but uh, it's possible to go in there and say, hey, so you were designed to do this, let's do one and a half times that, or let's do uh, a lot more than that. And uh, like you said, um, it is possible uh, to put your hardware at risk, but most of the time, uh, overclocking is really just a game of trial and error because you never know what kind of performance you're going to get out of your hardware until you start trying to push it to its full potential. Uh, And what happens when you overclock something that cannot support it these days, it's a lot more forgiving than it used to be. In the old days, uh, you could fry your processor, uh, or you could damage your board, uh, or it may not be uh, bootable anymore. But these days, um, the systems are built with fail-safes. So when they see, okay, um, the RAM was clocked at this rate, but now I can no longer boot, I'm going to go back into a safer state and give you another chance to modify those numbers so that we can find a kind of a safe ground for all the hardware inside the computer. So it's it's a lot more forgiving than it used to be, and it's just playing with numbers in that BIOS until you find what works for your setup. All right. Uh, very interesting and well put. Now I'm a little bit, I feel a little bit better about, about being in that position. I've also seen... Uh, supposedly there's ways that you can I don't know, get into developer mode on your Android phone and overclock your phone. Um, yeah, again, I, well, kinda, I, I walked right up to that water and I was like, mm, you know what? I don't know how deep that is and I'm going to turn around and leave now. So. <laughs> so it's always possible to unlock hardware in a way that the manufacturer did not intend, uh, typically through software. It usually requires more than just uh, developer mode. You usually have to root the phone which means to actually put a, another version of Android on it that gives you more control over it. Because, believe it or not, you are not the administrator of your phone. You're a privileged user. If you had complete admin access wow. to your phone, it would be possible to compromise it in ways that it might become unrecoverable. So most manufacturers want to give you the privilege of using your phone, but they don't want to give you so much control over it that you could damage it permanently. And so modders and things like that, they kind of look at that as almost like a strike against, you know, the the free will of the public. But for the 99% of people who have no interest in that, it's to help them keep from breaking their phone, basically, right? Yes. And I, I used to be up in the Android modder communities. I didn't mod Android myself. I just used other people's mods. But for me, it was it was it became increasingly difficult to actually put custom ROMs and things on your phone so that you could run it the way that you wanted to. And typically when you did, it'd be like, okay, uh, most everything works. Uh, the Wi-Fi works sometimes. We're still trying to figure out that bug with it. So it's like, you know, it's, it's something that's being engineered by just a small group of people. And so it can be very difficult to, to uh, manage the full experience on the phone. And usually there's some kind of a trade-off between functionality and having full control of your phone. It's it's an interesting state, um, but it, it got to the point where it was so cumbersome that I haven't modded or, or put a custom ROM on a phone in years. Well, the other part um, of that is it seems like, you know, and, Android 
is pretty good about leaving those things sort of open source. They, they almost kind of encourage those things. I know a- Apple is not that way with iOS. But I, I know when I used to have an iPhone, I, I jailbroke a couple of the iPhones that I have uh, had in the past. And it seemed like over time, uh, at first, it's really, really great. But the advantages that you get by jailbreaking the iPhone, it seemed like uh, as time trickled on, you kind of lost performance in exchange yeah. for some of those gimmicks, which, you know, some of them are very useful, but after a while, some of them become just another part of your phone. And so you're almost like, you know, I would trade this back to get that performance back. But let's go to the phones. Well, we got a call here. Oh, go ahead. Well, not only that, but when you jailbreak your phone, you have to be careful about when you update it. Otherwise, you'll just undo everything that you had on your phone. Yeah. So it, it, you, you have to make that trade-off between the experience that you want and keeping things up to date and under control of the manufacturer. It's 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 a tough uh, tough decision for some people. Yeah, let's go to the phones. One eight seven seven MPB ring is the number one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. Call us up with uh, any of your uh, hardware or technology uh, questions, problems, comments, experiences, anything like that. We'll talk with you this morning. I'm Jay White here with Jeremy Thompson, and Kathy from Mobile starts us off this morning. Kathy, thanks for calling. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I, in the last two days, have experienced a problem, and I may need to call my Internet provider. Uh, My iPad will just constantly knock off from Wi-Fi, and it says, who do you want to join kind of thing. And then again, it'll say, no Internet connection. And I'm not mm, 20 feet from my Internet what do you call that, modem. Uh, and it, the, two nights ago, the TV just went offline, and finally I just rebooted the modem, and it did come back up. But should the Wi-Fi signal be that weak? No. Uh, so uh, first off, do you have any other devices that connect to that Wi-Fi? Yeah, I mean, like, like my telephones. And my husband's okay. iPhone will never find that Wi-Fi source. It never so when it's always alerts him, you haven't updated in like a week or two, and we literally have to take it into our little office, and so almost sitting on top of the internet modem, I guess you call it, and connect it up for it to be able to find that Wi-Fi signal. Uh, okay. I just don't understand uh, why it's so. Okay. Well, regarding your phone, is your phone performing okay, or is it also having issues? Well, it is constantly asking me, who do you want to connect to? Which makes me think it's losing its Wi-Fi signal. And it you sounds know? like your modem might be on the fritz. Um, I would try unplugging it for about two minutes. I know you said you've already done that, but leave it, leave it unplugged for about a full two minutes and then plug it back in and see if your Wi-Fi signal does not improve. It should not take much for it to, to start doing what it needs to do. Um, if you're still having issues, I would say that, yeah, it's time to call your ISP and get you a new modem. Yeah, well, I was going to say, how old? How old is that modem? How long have you had it? Three years, maybe four. Yeah, it might be time for uh, uh, an upgrade. Modem. Uh, is it th- is it one you bought, or is it is it like Jeremy no. was talking about through your your provider? It's through my provider. Ah, you need to call them. You put this in their lap, pronto. Yeah. <laughs> we moved into this house. This house is not a huge house, and we're talking about one level here. Uh, matter of fact. The master bedroom has a TV that works off of modem, and it never would come up. And finally, they put what's that little box? What do you call it? Not the, not the big. Magic you know, extender. 
whatever it is. Yeah. They added another box in the attic right above the master bedroom, and we're just not talking about a huge house. I don't understand why it's so weak. Uh, yeah, that shouldn't are. be the case. Kathy, those well, those modems that you get from your ISP are kind of weak anyways, and a good indicator of that is the fact that it doesn't have any external antennas on it. Um, if you don't have some kind of a directional antenna on it, it's very difficult to, to get a really, really strong signal out of it. Now, they're getting better all the time, but an external antenna will always help your signal way more. So uh, if you want, you can always bypass the modem that the uh, providers give you and set up your own router uh, that will boost the signal significantly through your house if it has antennas on the outside of it. Oh, I don't know if I know how to do that. I know well, it's even possible uh, that you can get one that doesn't have antennas, and it would still be better than what's in those uh, those run-of-the-mill provider uh, modems. Most of them are, are not that great. No, this one is horrible. We lived in Birmingham, and basically like a three-story house in the basement was our office, and that's where all the Internet stuff was. But you could be on the second floor and not have any problems. Yeah, the, well, the, now what, for something ex- like that, you probably want to look into a range extender if you have three stories, uh, just because. Not in this. Not in this well, I, look, it, it, the problems that you're explaining—that's not how that works. I mean, you. you I mean, in, in your own home, uh, unless you live in like Buckingham Palace or something like that, <laughs> when you're in your yeah, own home, you, you your devices shouldn't be falling off the signal, you know, constantly. There, that should be an issues. issue. There are issues sometimes with uh, materials that floors are made of or walls or whatever. Sometimes that affects it. So range extenders uh, may come in handy in a three-story house. I mean, it's going to depend on the size of your house and what kind of performance you can actually get out of your modem. But with your current issue, you definitely need to try to turn it off. And uh, if it does not uh, start acting right after that, uh, time to call the ISP and get them to send you a new Mm -hmm. one. Yeah, it's time to call them because I turned it off. I had to to reboot the TV the other night, and it came back up. But I'm still having issues with my iPad and all today. Yeah, you've already put in and, you've already put in more effort from your end than should be yeah. required. So you need you right. and uh, uh, you and Mr. Kathy need to go and uh, put the boots to whoever your provider is <laughs> over the phone. I'll also say <laughs> that uh, the iPad and the iPhone are they have very very strong antennas in them. Even though they are internal, they are really powerful. Uh, so that device should not be struggling 20 feet away. It, even with a weak yeah. antenna, it shouldn't. But, uh, yeah, the iPads, they, they have really good antennas in them, so you should not be I having an issue like that. I've never had a problem with it. I, it's always been fine. I just I was sitting at the breakfast room. I couldn't even stream Netflix. I thought, wait a minute, we're in serious trouble here. Yeah. Uh, all right, thank oh, you, guys. Kathy, stay, in, other- uh, stay in touch with us and let us know how that works out for you, okay? I will. And Thank you so much. One other thing you. you may want to try is uh, to go in there and actually forget the network and reconnect to it with the password and everything. It could have a bad configuration in there that just needs to be reset. But from the other issues that you've experienced, I think it's bigger than just the one-on-one with the iPad there. Kathy, thanks for the call from Mobile this morning. Starting us off, you can call us up one eight seven seven MPB ring, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Jeremy, as we go to break here, man, here it is. The uh, the Galaxy Fold is a thing that you can Woo! have if you don't live in America. If you're careful. Right. And uh, it will be available for sale. Retail will start for the Fold in the U.S. in just two short days. But oh boy. be warned, 
They're already placing cautious caveats around owning this phone. We'll talk about that when we come back from this break. With Jeremy Thompson, I'm Jay White. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio with Jeremy Thompson. I am Jay White. Wilts is out this week, but he'll be back. Give us a call if you've got a problem like Kathy had that last segment. Um, with, uh, you know, in her own home within easy range of the router, dropping her off, dropping her phones and everything else off and not being able to stream Netflix. If you've got some issues like that, uh, maybe your phone or your computer, your laptop, whatever it is, it's not acting the right way. Give us a call. one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Jeremy, our white whale, the <laughs> Samsung Galaxy Fold. <laughs> <laughs> is the mighty uh, white whale right it is uh the the on again or the on and then off and then on again and then off again and now back on uh galaxy fold has been released um on the other side of the world to a handful of different countries and uh, mostly in europe um starting late last week and starting friday of this week the fold is back on again here in the United States, and you can buy you a Samsung Galaxy Fold phone. But oh, wait a minute. There are already caveats that uh, Samsung is laying all over the place. Um, I I know this is a thing that you've had uh, personal experience with and you've been very interested in over time. Tell me what you think about this this latest situation and uh, releasing of the Fold. And it seems like, to a certain extent, that Samsung is like, I mean, you know what? We've already, if if we could, we would just put, you know, we would hit the little X button in the corner on all of this and, <laughs> and, and think about and work on something else. But we've already, you know, we've already opened our mouth and put this out there. And, and you know, I, I tried to release it once before and it was a disaster and they pulled it back and then they announced another release date. And then they were like, no, nah, this still is terrible. And they pulled it back. And now that it's almost like, you know what? This is what it is. We've already told people it's here. It's going to be a thing. So you know what? We're just going to push it out and tell people to be careful. So <laughs> Samsung, in my opinion, um, they're they're up there with Apple in terms of influence on the market. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, parts in the iPhones actually come from Samsung. So I think what they're really trying to do is get it out there so that other people will start integrating it into their own designs and they can put out the the non-prototype version because (laughs) this, like, I mean, we keep laughing about it. We haven't even told anybody anything. All right, so Samsung sent out a little message along with the fold to say that you need to use a very light touch on the display. (laughs) Now, what does that mean? I'm not really sure. Uh, but if you're putting out a display that's that fragile, you you are obviously wanting to, to push this thing out there to let people know that it really exists. It's almost like they're doing it just to say, 
We didn't fold on this thing. Ah. We did. We did make it work. Very nice. We did make it work. <laughs> so uh, when they say uh, it's very, it, it's going to be a lot more sensitive to uh, with durability with things like water and dust. And um, I'll save that last one. Uh, so water and dust are two things that we've sort of gotten used to exposing our phones to in in light cases. So this is dangerous, I think, because most people already have a somewhat water-resistant device that they've gotten a little more carefree with. So dust, I mean... Where isn't there dust? <laughs> Hide it, put it in a bag every time you're done using it. <laughs> Just cover it up. Um, and then, of course, they caution you about keeping it with your keys. Well, that's going to be a tough one for every male on the planet that just keeps everything in their pockets. I don't oh, know about you, this, but my this already sounds like phone, that Apple card, the Apple my, uh, credit card that's made of titanium that you can't put right. in your wallet because it's leather, and you can't keep it in your jeans pocket because that's denim. So basically, yeah, every guy can't have that. Right. You just have to balance it on your head when you want to go buy stuff. Right. Just pull it off there. Keep it under a hat. Right. <laughs> yeah, keep it in a shirt pocket because everybody has shirt but, pockets still anyway. With this whole thing with keys, like my phone, I mean, at least the back of it, probably gives my keys a few kisses every day. So this is another thing that we're just <laughs> – we've just kind of just thrown our phones in there with it like, hey, our screens don't get scratched. None of this is an issue anymore. Now it's an issue again. So it's it's dangerous because people aren't used to this. So I, I'm curious to see how this goes. Now I also read that uh, they are going to offer your first your first screen replacement. Oh no! Or right, right, like that. <laughs> they're anticipating a few, oh, but your no. first one's only going to be $149. Oh, that's so, all. Okay. Yeah, that's well, it. What a sweetheart. Uh, right. Yeah, on the on the release they put out, and I can't imagine what this was like. Uh, their communications and public relations department, uh, you know, the 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 executive vice president comes in and goes, "Okay, guys, here it is. Uh, here, guys and gals, excuse me. Um, we've got a Fabergé egg of a phone, and uh, this thing <laughs> this thing is going to break all the time. But we figured out that we can't really do anything about it. And at some point, this ship's got to sail." So uh, we need you to make that sound pretty. And uh, so here's like, here's the opening line, okay? The Galaxy Fold is a device like no other and deserves a special level of care. Oh, all right. <laughs> it's a, that's a luxury product now. now it, it, yes. It's requiring a special level of care, this device like no other. I got to get my hands on that. But not, not too rough, though. I hear it's going to come with a special pair of white gloves to handle it with. <laughs> you, get that, you get that in your Apple Titanium card, and it's, the, yeah, just live in, a, go. live in a rubber house or something like that. All right, let's go back to the phones. one eight seven seven mpb ring is the number, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Up next is Jerry and Brandon. Jerry, good morning. Hey, good morning. Good to hear from you. Absolutely. You the same. Yeah, I uh your discussion earlier about the uh, streaming uh, Netflix and the router issue made me think about wanting to share a good experience I had. I have a uh, I have a boat. It's a, a cabin cruiser. Uh, so it's, a, it's a big boat, and I wanted to have internet on my boat. So I got a uh, a Nighthawk, uh, which is a mobile router by Netgear. And right. my goodness, has that thing been impressive so far? Wow, that's pretty awesome. So Nighthawk by Netgear. 
Yeah. Yes. It's a little, it's a little box, not much bigger than a deck of playing cards. Oh wow! And uh, it's supposed to be the fastest mobile router out there. And uh, it, they, their claim is you can um, run twenty devices off of this thing. And it's, it's essentially like having a cell phone, but it's a, of course it's not a phone. And uh, it's designed to do just what it does. And uh, uh, one of the things I wanted to do on my boat, not only access the Internet, but also be able to stream TV. And yeah. I've noticed that my streaming for things like uh, um, uh, Netflix and uh, YouTube and such as that, at home, sometimes those things hit a blimp and they kind of slow down or stop for a little while. That is not happening on the boat. They're working perfectly. So, uh, with your, I'm assuming that's the Nighthawk M1, which is uh, the uh, the first gigabit LTE router. Yeah. That's uh, it. And yeah, it does look super impressive. Nighthawk is Netgear's super awesome line of stuff. I actually have a Nighthawk router on my home setup because it has four external antennas and it is a super awesome router. So, yeah. uh, the only thing I caution you against is while you're streaming on those plans, if it's one of those unlimited plans, remember after you streamed uh, so many uh, gigabytes, they will throttle you down. So uh-huh. um, always keep an eye on that. We always try to caution people about that because you can you can get in big trouble, and you can cost yourself a lot of money, or you can just run your uh, your data plan out real fast and be stuck on the modern day equivalent of dial up for the rest of the month. Yeah, I, I have a uh, unlimited, special unlimited plan that I'm using on that, and it's it's something that the average consumer is not going to be able to buy, but a business can buy it. Ah, I, I've sure. got that through my business, so it, it technically is a business line. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Very nice. Hey, thanks for the call, Jerry, and thanks for the recommendation. We appreciate it. Sure thing. And I'm, I'm jealous of you having that boat you can cruise around in. I wouldn't come back. I'd just stay out there. One eight seven seven MPB ring is the number. One eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Yeah, they uh, the the Nighthawk, and as you mentioned, Jeremy, there are several different versions of it. Uh, but uh, just three uh, that I, I'm looking at in front of me, or four um, on Amazon. Uh, just one right here. The R six seven hundred has a four star review. Uh, or is averaging four stars over nineteen thousand four hundred reviews. So I, I I would take that at its word. Uh, and so that one is eighty eight dollars. So I mean it's a little bit. I mean for a high performing router, you're going to have to invest a little bit. I mean it's not a, a huge expense That's, versus how important it is in people's lives these days. But it, you're going to have to come off some money a little bit to get one. That's actually super cheap compared to the one that I got. Mine was like two fifty, but I did buy it a few years back. I, you know, AC well, technology being very new then. Yeah, I'm looking at one that's uh, the Nighthawk Pro Gaming XR five hundred, um, and a lot of these have uh, three antennas on the back, as you mentioned. This one has four. It's two hundred forty eight dollars. It has a four and a half star rating, over basically fifteen hundred reviews on Amazon. Also, it's available. Um, uh, at Best Buy, I'm looking online at one, the AC1900, which is $149.99. And on the Best Buy site, it has a 4.6 rating out of 5 on over 10,300 reviews. So evidently very, 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 very good. All right, My thing is always checking the, the ratio of two and one star reviews to the rest. And I have kind of a rule of thumb. If it's over 25%, 
it's worth reading into the reviews and finding out what it was that people really had a problem with. Yeah. Because uh, you got to be careful with those reviews. Sometimes people know what they're talking about, and sometimes they don't have a clue. That's a good point. That's a good point. I, I, if I see one that, I mean, if if there's something that has, I don't know, less than 100 reviews, you kind of, like you said, you kind of have to dig in a little bit. But some of these with like, you know, 2,000, 10,000, 19,000 reviews, I, I'm, I'm going to take, you know, the, the, the average uh, of the, the, the consensus there for, uh, for their word. Anyway, let's go to Renee, who is up in Utica. Renee, good morning. How's it going? All right. Uh, I have actually have two questions. One is uh, I wanted to know why my location on my phone keeps changing. Like right now I'm in Utica and it's showing up like I'm in uh, Cougar, Mississippi. At You know, when you scroll down to the bottom of Cougar. the get Yes, <laughs> and it does this regularly. I go back and I change it back to Utica, but it keeps going back to some city I'm not even in. Okay, so what app is this that you're seeing your location in? Uh, I'm not for sure. I'm not too familiar with it, but uh, okay. like when I scroll down my phone, you know, it'll show your internet address location. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. So when it comes to your actual IP address that you're looking at there, uh, that can actually originate from multiple locations. For example, uh, some people that use AT and T, like I could connect right now and do a what is my IP, and it would tell me that I'm coming from Atlanta, Georgia. So that's not necessarily where you're located, but that's where your IP is originating from. If you're on your phone, though, and you want to uh, get your location, you should be able to turn your location on, uh, and then the phone should be able to figure out where you are. But if it's if it's just determining it based on that address, that, that doesn't necessarily put it where you are, which is actually better for your security and safety, because you don't want someone getting that address and going, hey, where's this person at? Right. Okay. Okay. And what was your other question? Uh, why uh, my internet service? Like sometimes on my phone, my internet service will just drop. I get disconnected automatically. What causes it to do that? Okay. So are you connected to your home wireless when it just drops? Uh, most of the time, yeah. When I'm around the house. Okay. Uh, well, depending on where you are in your house, what may be interfering with the signal is possible. You may be getting into a dead zone of your home. Uh, so you may need something like a range extender. Uh, d- does this happen consistently in a certain part of your house, or is it just an inconsistent drop? Uh, it's just uh, anywhere in the house, actually, it, it'll do it. Kind of sounds like you might be having a signal issue, or it might be like, uh, Kathy, you might have a modem that is actually going out, and it needs to be updated. Okay. All right. Thank you. Renee, thanks for the call from Utica this morning. One eight seven seven MPB ring is the number. One eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We will take a break and uh, ponder the safety and caution that we need to use with the fold. If 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 we get one after the break, Amazon wants to set Alexa free. Now, that was an interesting headline when I read it, and uh, we'll learn a little bit about what they mean by that. And uh, Mario Kart Tour is now available to download and play on your Amazon and iOS devices. And, um, of course, that is an iconic uh, game title. But this one comes with a little bit of uh, confusion 
and uh, it's making some of the racers mad. We'll talk about that on the other side of this timeout. You can call us, 1-877-MPB-RING is the number, 1-877-672-7464. This is Everyday Tech on Think Radio. MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Everyday Tech on Think Radio with Jeremy Thompson. I am Jay White. Wilts is out this week. You can call us up with your tech issues, problems, questions, stories, suggestions. One eight seven seven MPB ring is the number. One eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Uh, Jeremy, Amazon wants to extend the usability of Alexa to outside of the home. So um, one of the ways that they're going to do that, number one, um, Alexa is, it's interesting, it's something that I have not been able to, and not I haven't really tried that much, but having kind of a, a personal, smart, assistant that kind of uh, you know runs your home and, and makes your home a smart home is something more and more people are getting comfortable with and we are having more and more gadgets that are um, you know the the companies and the providers are learning how to do this better and make it more um, integratable with our lives but it's something that I haven't able to kind of get on board yet but this is interesting that Alexa is already uh, looking for ways to uh, Amazon is looking for ways to get Alexa to be your personal assistant to kind of be at your beck and call, not just in the house but everywhere else as well. How much have you dabbled in the smart home, um, like uh, Alexa? Uh, quite a little bit. Um, I usually tell her to turn on my lights at night um, and to turn off my TV since I have a uh, Fire TV Cube. Um, I've worked a little bit with the uh, the various assistants on the go, and uh, they're just—I mean, they, they just need more work, is all I can say. Because I had the Google Pixel Buds uh, about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. and I just really did not like the way that it would respond. Because sometimes, I, like it, it was just an earbud that you had, and it would occasionally, it would just stop working. So you get used to tapping that thing and you'd recall, you'd tell it, hey, you know, bring up my schedule or tell me what time it is or what's the weather like. And you'd be jabbing this thing into your ear and it got really uncomfortable. And the whole reason I wanted the buds <laughs> was to be able to play with that assistant to see, you know, if I could integrate it into my own busy lifestyle. But it yeah. became more cumbersome than it was worth. And for some people, I think that's why. They do not want to adopt this technology. But, you know, Alexa's been around for quite a few years now, and she's definitely not going anywhere. Last year they were putting her in microwaves, and now they're trying to put her in ear earbuds, which is, I think, dangerous. Uh, Going to result in a lot of people angry they're jamming a bud into their ear. Um, but also uh, into wearable accessories like a Fitbit. Um, they're trying to get her integrated into your health, which, I mean, I have a Galaxy Active that tells me how many steps I take every day. Uh, It tells me when I get a text message, and it tells me what time it is. And that's about as useful as it is, which is pretty useful. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but they're kind of playing catch up at this point. The only uh, trump card they've got here is that they've got Alexa to already be familiar. People are already familiar with her. They already have her integrated into other parts of their life. So it will be easier for them to adopt and assist it if they're already familiar with it. Um, it's it's kind of a mixed bag, though. I mean, even now I can tell her something like, hey, turn off the lights, and sometimes she just sits there. So it's it's a frustrating experience adopting this, especially when you want it to be reliable all the time, but it's just it's not at that point. This is a story uh, written by Tom Warren for The Verge, and he starts it off like this. Every day I use Alexa to turn on my lights, switch TV channels, and set timers when I'm cooking. You mentioned those first two things right off the bat when you said uh, how you use it. Uh, Amazon's digital assistant is the center of my smart home, but once I step out of the house, Alexa might as well be dead to me. Uh, He says, like many in the U.S., I use an iPhone that's tightly controlled by Apple. Sure, there's an Alexa app I can use, but I can't summon the digital assistant with the regular Alexa on on my iPhone, so I mostly use the app just to tweak Alexa's settings. There are slightly better uh, options in the Android world where you can set Alexa as the default device assistant, but you still can't easily summon it with a wake word. Um, So as you mentioned, and this is the the whole idea around this story is that uh, in the uh, press event that uh, Amazon recently had, um, and they mentioned the Alexa powered microwave here. Uh, but it's earbuds, Alexa powered earbuds, uh, a big move outside the smart home uh, that it dominates. Amazon has also stumbled into Alexa powered uh, car integration with Echo Audio. But earbuds would be a significant way to expand where Alexa is used. The earbuds will reportedly track running distance, burned calories and pace. But it's the Alexa integration that will be important and will allow you to take, uh, you know, many of those features. And I, I suppose the um, the run of the mill accessibility to those features, which has kind of been the stopping point or maybe the glass ceiling for Alexa outside of the home. So that's interesting. But you bring up a good point. Um, you know, it, in your house, you don't have to jam you know, your Alexa into your, your ear and carry it around with you everywhere. But here you go. You're going to have to have earbuds. And so it's almost you have to it's a prerequisite to using Alexa uh, in your everyday comings and goings when you're out and about. you got to have that earbud in before you even think about integrating it into how you go about your day to day activities, which is something to consider. So. Uh, I think that this will catch on with younger generations, but people, mm, I'm going to go ahead and say in upward 30s and over, they're not going to be interested in this. I mean, there'll be a few technophiles that will, but most other people will be like, nah, I'm good. Just turn off my lights at home. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I mean, I, I think a lot of people in that age group that you're talking about, people over 30 or over 35 or over 40 in my case, um, they're still learning, um, you know, unless they're, you know, over the top, you know, tech enthusiasts, they're still learning how to figure out a way to implement this into home life. Uh, and now you've got this, um, this technology that they're working on to take it outside of the home. Let's go back to the phones. one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Kathy and Carth, hang on just a second. We have right now Timothy in Louisiana. Timothy, good morning. Good morning. 
How's it going? Real nice. It's a beautiful day. Absolutely. And I'm out in the field doing some work. Um, but I, the reason I call is because I noticed something that's very common in the farming community. That is the working class farming community, the field hands, etc. That they have a big screen TV, but they don't have a computer. But you could turn the big screen TV into a computer with a Raspberry Pi. Yes, sir. Easily for a hundred bucks, you know, including a new keyboard and mouse and everything. You know, and running and running um, uh, Ubuntu. You know, uh, I mean, it's the the Pi is now sixty four bit. You know, and sir. It, it'll do everything you want. You know, and it's absolutely. Cheap, you know. And there was a uh, there was a new one that was put out this year, Timothy. That's uh, even more awesome than the last one. This new one is supposedly able to uh, process 4K video with no issues. Wow! That's I have good. yet to that play with one myself, but that's what I've heard, and that's pretty exciting. All right, I use the Raspberry Pi as instead of an Alexa. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go- you know, uh, Google came out with a little program that you can download and turn it into one. Okay. I also yeah. use a Raspberry Pi on my boat as a navigation system, you know. Very um, cool. So, you know, I mean, they're cheap, um, and all it requires is just a little bit of time to set up, you know. Yes, sir. Absolutely, Timothy, and we appreciate the call this morning. I, Yeah, I, the Raspberry Pi... I mean, if you do a Google search on that, you you can see where people are doing all sorts of things with the Raspberry Pi, an extremely pliable uh, piece of hardware that, I mean, everything from, like he mentioned, um, you know, uh, home assistants to, you know, uh, you know, uh, set-top uh, streaming things to, I mean, basically bare-bones PCs to, I've, I've seen it, I saw a story yesterday where, uh, a company is using Raspberry Pi, and, and they've they've built like a custom uh, deck where they're making uh, Super Nintendo and Nintendo emulators uh, built with Raspberry Pi. And so, I mean, this is just a lot of things that you can do with it. Extremely workable uh, piece of hardware. Yeah, very very versatile. If there's something you want to automate or some kind of uh little hobby box you want to set up, that's that's the one to go with. If you have more electronics experience. Might like the Arduino more, which is uh, it's it's got more things for people that you know little breadboards and things that you can hook up to it, little pinouts. Uh, they, they're both they both have their area, but the Raspberry Pi is definitely a great place to begin. All right, let's go back to the phones. One eight seven seven MPB ring. Kathy is in Corinth. Kathy, good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Well, going pretty well, thanks. Okay, my question is: Is it possible for someone? To intercept your phone calls, listen in, or or be able to uh, mess with them in some sort of way. Now, there's several of us in the same family are having strange things going on with our phones, and they've just started doing that in the last maybe three weeks. And we do have a neighbor that is not happy with us. So what we would like to know is, is it possible for them to be listening in or doing something during our phone calls to interrupt them? Uh, Has your neighbor had physical access to your phone? 
Well, or anybody else's phone. No, no, no. They have they physically number. had it in their hands? Have they um, have they had it in their possession for uh, a little while? No, they haven't. Okay. Uh, and do you have uh, iPhone? You have Android? What are you running on? I have an iPhone. Okay. And is it possible that your neighbor has gotten your iCloud information? <laughs> I, I have no idea. Okay. Well, uh, the only way for those phones to be hacked, uh, well, the... the the primary ways for those devices to be hacked is to put some kind of spyware on them. And in order to do that, you either have to have physical access to the phone, you have to jailbreak it, or you have to put an app on it through iCloud. Uh, both of those are very difficult to do if they don't have the information about you. So, I mean, it, it, it is always possible, yes, that someone could put something like that on your phone, but it's difficult for them to do it without having physical access to it. Okay, and since there's several of us that are experienced in this, then then it definitely isn't likely. Well, when you say several of us are experiencing this, just what exactly are you experiencing? Because if someone was listening in on your phone calls, you wouldn't know it. Okay. Well, now, on mine, uh, I called a, a health provider, and there was this uh, a long beep. And then he'd go off his lung beep, and, and the person I was talking with was commenting on it. Uh, I was uh, talking to a friend recently, and there was just a very brief, like, a stop, just really nanosecond brief. And she also said that she was hearing something in the background. I've had a niece to call a family member, and she said, well, somebody must be listening in. I hear, I hear stuff going on in the background. Well, um, so when it comes to somebody listening in, like if you were on an old landline, possible for somebody to make noise on that line because they would either have to pick up a phone or uh, attach themselves to the line on the phone where you would hear a click or something like that. Cellular phones do not work in the same way. So there's no way for someone to tap that line and like you, you wouldn't know that that was happening on the line. It sounds like there's some interference in your area, or there's a bad signal or something. Have you called your cellular provider and and told them that you're having weird things, you're hearing weird things on your phone, like maybe your signal's bad or something? Mm. No, I haven't because we made this assumption since they are sort of enemies right now that they were doing something. Well, it's it's always easy to get in your own head. I've, I've helped a lot of people with problems like this. They come to me and they say that their phone has been hacked, that somebody's listening to them. I go through and I check it, and I you can usually give them peace of mind. Uh, it is possible for it to happen, though, and I have had to tell people, yes, your phone is hacked, and it is monitoring what you're doing. But it's also very easy to get paranoid about these things because you you can basically become your own worst enemy. Every time the phone glitches, every time there's a click on the line, it's confirmation of something that you've built up in your own head. Now, I'm not a, a counselor or a psychologist, but I will say um, technology has little brief stops and blips. And I, I myself was trying to talk to AT&T yesterday on an AT&T phone, and they couldn't even hear what I was saying when I was giving them the phone number. So it is possible that you're on a bad connection or that the cellular service in your area has been affected by something else. Maybe they've turned down the power to that line or maybe there's something interfering with it. I wouldn't go directly to uh, paranoia that somebody was listening to me and so forth. I would try to address 
uh, some some more uh, mainstream types of, of things. So I'll, you may want to give your provider a call and just let them know that's that's you're having is, issues. That's exactly what I would do, Kathy. We appreciate the call. I would go to your your provider first and uh, help them try to troubleshoot things for you. And if if to be quite honest, if you're not comfortable after that, I go to your local law enforcement agency and 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 just have them you know file. Follow a report with them, and and if it's worth following up, they'll follow that up. Hopefully, so uh, and also, then uh, you may want to consider just changing your iCloud password as a precaution. Yeah, um, and don't let anybody have access to your phone that that you do not. I mean, just keep a good eye on your phone, keep a password on it, uh, protect your devices, and that's one less way that people can interfere with them. All right, Kathy, again, we appreciate the call this morning. Let's go to Mac, who is in Jackson. Mac, thanks for calling. Hey, how you guys doing today? Excellent, man. Appreciate you calling in. Quick, quick question. Yeah, um, I pay the cable company for a modem every month. I rent it, basically, right? Huh? I'm looking for a recommendation on a modem that I can own, one that I can buy, say, from... Uh, uh, buy Amazon, something like that. Okay, who's your cable provider? Uh, uh, Comcast, Xfinity Comcast. All right, so what you need is a DOCSIS 3.0 compatible modem. Uh, There are several that you can run out and get. Um, The SB6183 is one that I can tell you, like, right off the top of my head, is fully compatible with Comcast. But when you go to Best Buy, uh, it should actually have an Xfinity or Comcast logo on it to tell you that it's compatible with those networks. You shouldn't have to spend more than about... Uh, I'd say 60 to $80 for the device to buy it outright. Now, keep in mind, that's a modem. That's not a wireless device, so you will still need a router. Mac, we appreciate the call this morning, and thanks for rounding us out. Je- Jessica in Ocean Springs, we ran out of time. Join us again next week. Interesting question you had, and I would love for us to be able to address it. Uh, so call us. Give us a call early next week around 10 o'clock, and we will get you on. And that's going to do it for uh, Everyday Tech this week. We've got a bunch of stories, as every week. We don't have the time or a chance to get to through the course of the hour. I'm going to put a bunch of those stories, uh, links to those stories, that are pretty interesting reads, including uh, Spotify introducing two new playlists based on songs that you have uh, listened to repeatedly. Uh, interesting stuff there. We'll put all those links on our Facebook uh, site. and Just search Everyday Tech MPB on Facebook. That'll do it for us. This is Everyday Tech. Stay tuned. Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart is next on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 